0: Most of my businesses have 15 to 30,000 a month coming in every single month from each business. I don't do real estate. I don't do business. I don't do lending. I do all of it. I was the first one in the country to ever have a We Buy Gold store. I opened up one and started making a ton of money. And before you know it, I had 300. You had perfect
1: timing on Beanie Babies, real estate, gold, always have a bunch of ideas. So I assume those three, they hit hard. My guess is there was 10 that didn't. What do you see as some upcoming trends?
0: Obviously, I'm really heavy into...
1: What's up, bitters Today, we are back at WealthCon. I got one of our speakers with us. This man, dude, he is diverse. I one day hope to grow up to be like him. He has done thousands of real estate deals, has sold over 500 businesses. I got Abraham Gray. What's up, man?
0: What's up? What's up? You know what's crazy is... Everybody always wants to be what the other person is doing. Like yeah. I look at you and I'm like, man, this guy has blown up on social media. Like he's the biggest following. I'm like, I want to be like Ryan when I grow up, you know, it's like always you see what's uh, you know unbelievable about the other person.
1: Yeah. Well, no, but that's what's good about um, getting together with high performers. Right. Because you can always take something from everyone else. Right. It's like, all right, dude. I want to learn social media. All right. right, I got you. And I'm like, bro. Okay. So teach me how you did this. How did you do that with the business acquisitions? Like how? (laughs) Yeah. So
0: I started my first business when I was 15 and it was selling sports cards because that's what I collected my whole life. And I was really passionate about it. And I went to these sports card shows every single week and started selling them and I got really good at it. So when I was 15, I started making close to a thousand dollars a week. By the time I was 16, I was making a thousand, two thousand, three thousand a week. 17, 4, 5, 6, 7, a week, every week, just buying and selling cards at these shows. And eventually that turned into other businesses. So from a baseball card show, people started selling beanie babies. If you know what the, remember? Yeah, those yeah, are. yeah. So I, I started selling beanie babies because I saw people selling them making way more money than baseball cards. And then that went into something else and something else. And eventually I got into, um, gold and I started selling jewelry. And that was the business I made the most money on. Hmm. I, I made like my first million dollars. And I saved my first million dollars when I was 19 years old from sports cards. Got it. Then I got into Beanie Babies and I made and saved my first $10 million with Beanie Babies. How old were you at the time to save $10 million? So I was I was in my late 20s. I was in my uh, late 20s and I had like $10 million saved. And That's this crazy. I was born in 75. So this is, you know, back in...
1: That's crazy because like, you know, for me, I've been successful, but being a real estate guy, your money is always getting deployed. Yeah. I've like never had $10 million liquid
0: saved. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, if you're just making so much money <laughs> that like, like, like I got, I got to points, especially my next business. I mean, I literally made me and my partner, we made a hundred million dollars profit. We did over a half a billion dollars in sales in, in jewelry. Wow. Over 300 locations all over the country. And uh, I always I had so much money, like literally every month I had another million plus dollars in my account. I didn't know what to do with it. Like, <laughs> like, I was like, what the hell do I do with it? So what's crazy is that was in the 2008, 2009, 2010 years. I had a friend of mine that, you know, got me really big into real estate. And I just gave him like literally a million, like probably a million bucks every quarter or maybe every couple of months to spend and buy property. And literally we were buying properties for 10, 20 cents on the dollar. Cause that's when the market crashed. So mm. the market crash was probably one of the best things for me because I had so much cash to deploy. You couldn't get loans and uh, everything was on a forecl- foreclosure for 10 cents on the dollar. And yep. I literally bought hundreds of properties at foreclosure auctions for crazy low. And I've sold most of them, you know, four or five, six years later as they double, triple, quadrupled, but I still have probably 30% of them and they're worth 10 times what I paid for them. Wow. Um, so that, that was a really good Yeah, But yeah, if you make so much money, it's hard to figure out what to do with this. Amount.
1: So how did, cause you know, there was a lot of guys making money before the recession and they, they had the stories of losing it all. Right. Yep. So were you always just saving money and trying to like have a, a good reserve because like a lot of guys, they just redeploy money into more yeah. real estate or more business. And then, you know, those things go sideways and they have nothing.
0: Yeah. So I try to use every single penny I have. Okay. Literally. So you were thinking the way normal like, yeah, entrepreneurs yeah I don't, don't want to save money. Saving money is stupid. Like it's good yeah. to save a certain amount of money to have. If a great opportunity comes by, you want to be able to buy it. Right. But you don't want to have tons of extra cash. But if you're making so much money, sometimes it's hard <laughs>
1: to figure out what to put it in. You don't want to just put it in random things. You want to
0: put it in random stuff. You want to be safe. But I I literally, you know, the reason why so many people lost money during that last recession is because people were leveraging so many properties. They were buying fix and flips. They were doing all these things and leveraging, you know, big developments. I, I was using cash because I had all this cash. So I I never got hurt because I wasn't buying it to fix and flip. Right. I was buying it and I turned everything into rentals. Mm. So the rental rates, you know, even though properties went down 80% or in my market, 90% in Atlanta, a lot of yeah, properties went Vegas down 90%. Was the same. Yeah. But the rental rates never went down. So- if they did, it was very minimal. So literally I just bought all these homes that were usually $200,000, 250 for like 20 grand, 30 grand on the high side. And I just turned them all into rentals because I couldn't sell them. Like they were unsellable. Nobody wanted them. It's not that people didn't want them. There was no one that would give a loan, right? There were no, there was no one giving loans. Like it was shut down the banking system, hard money. Every hard money lender I knew went out of business. They went bankrupt in that year. So I was just buying everything thinking there's no way. I mean, I know what it costs to build these things. I was like, there's no way it's not going to be worth it at some point. <laughs> so it, it was just a great, a great um, thing. It was great for for real estate because of that for me, but it was great for business as well. Because literally when I started this business that I made all this money on, the most amount of money, 2007, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. Um, it was a big recession. So everyone was losing their job. Every, there were so many good employees that I could hire for like way less than what they were actually worth. I was able to get the best real estate to rent, like, like the best corner spots, the best signage for like crazy low rental rates because all these shopping centers were empty. I was able to get like these best kickout clauses. Like if I wanted to leave, you know, I could pay a month or two months rent, get these like long leases, but be able to leave without personally guaranteeing anything. Um, Gold went from like $300 or less than $300 an ounce all the way to eight dollars $900 an ounce like within a year. Mm. And then every single year I was in it, it went up another $100, 200 dollars So um, 2011 was the year I made the most money. Mm. And I was already like four years in to the gold. That's the year that gold hit the highest it ever was at the time, wow. which was like $1,890 an ounce. Wow. And I had people lined up selling me, selling me uh, jewelry, like coins, watches, anything of value. I basically bought diamonds. And I remember it was just so crazy. It was way crazier than I thought it would ever be. I remember when I first started the gold business, I was thinking, all right, I'll make, you know, a million, five million, you know, whatever, 10 million. And it'll be over in a few years. It lasted like seven, eight years. Made over $100 million. It was was insane.
1: That's crazy. So you were the inventor of the like, well, buy buy your gold store. I was the
0: first one in the country that ever have a We Buy Gold store. So there were pawn shops and jewelry stores. And there was cash for gold, mail your golden, like maybe a year before I started. But I was the first one that actually had We Buy Gold stores and had the sign spinners and everything else. Nobody did it. Everyone copied me. I, I, I opened up one and started making a ton of money. Then I went to three, five, ten. And before you know it, I had 300. But nobody else, you know, people started copying me six months in. They're like, wait, this guy is doing something. And that's kind of how the whole We Buy Gold thing. Wow. But how does those We Buy Gold stores even work? So people, I basically, when I first started, I just set up a table in a store, put a sign up. We buy gold and people started coming in. I probably spent like 20 grand, put it, you know, just put the build out. it was, it was cheap. Yeah. Once I got making a lot of money, I started spending hundred, 200,000 a location to make them like super pimp because I want to be the best. You know, at the time when I started, there was no one that did it. So nobody knew if it was going to work, but the way it worked is you'd put ads up in you know today's day wouldn't even work because it's more social media back then social media wasn't as big but we would put ads in all the newspapers we put ads in like all the value mailers that went to people's homes and all kinds of you had know, like billboards all kinds of stuff like that people would bring their gold in they would sell it and we would pay them like 30 to 35 cents on the dollar so every time i, I bought a $1000 worth of gold i would sell it for 3000 bucks mm. and you know it was liquidable i would just melt it all down into and and sell it on the on the market the other really good thing about that time was most people that sold us gold, this is why it works so well, bought it in the 80s, you know, and in the 80s, gold was cheap and it was yellow gold. It was and most of that stuff went out of style. Most of that stuff people brought in. A lot of it was broken or, and, but everyone needed money. Everyone lost their job. So everybody needed to sell it. But what was great was they bought it when it was 300 an ounce and they probably paid six or seven, 800 because it goes for crazy higher, more than it's worth if you buy retail. But they were able to sell it to me. And basically, not really lose money, sometimes make a little bit, sometimes lose a little bit, but in their head, they're like, "Well, this is used, you know mm-hmm. like when you sell used stuff, you expect to get a lot less. Gold's a commodity, but people don't know that. people right. don't know that it goes up, and it's worth what it's worth so it was it was a really easy. Easy sell or buy, whatever, because in people's head, they needed the money. They've used it. They've worn it for 20, 30 years. They got their money's worth out of it. Yeah. It's out of style. It's broken. They don't need it anymore. They need the money. And boom, it was everything lined up the employees, the location, the price of gold, the recession. So that, that's how that turned into such a good thing. Um, you know, I, I've had tons of businesses that have done really well. And when I look back at it all, a lot of it is just luck, like timing
1: yeah i mean you thing. were you had perfect timing yeah. on beanie babies real estate yeah. gold Everything. but do you think like luck or you think like you're a guy who sees opportunity at a you know this point of like bro why is nobody buying these beanie babies
0: why is nobody buying people's gold yeah i mean it's a little bit of both like i come up with really creative good ideas and really the what sets me apart at the time was I had a really good network of people that I knew that made money in different industries and we all kind of collaborated. And if one of us had like a really good opportunity or started making money in something, we, you know, they would tell everybody in our network and then everyone would do it in their states. Mm. So I had a really good connections that kind of got me onto gold. That's how I got into gold. One person tried it, but they did it totally different than me. They actually did these things called road shows. They would go into hotels every weekend, do a newspaper ad and have a ton of people come to the hotel and, and uh, he's like, man, you got to come check it out. So I came, checked it out. It, it was incredible. But I was like, why don't you just do it at a store so you don't have to advertise a new hotel every week? That's a lot of work. He's like, I don't know. No one's done that. It doesn't. Uh, I was like, let me try it. So that's how we ended up trying the store. Got it, it. Came from the hotel model that a friend of mine, you know, came up with and was doing. So you got to really have your network of people that are really, you know, sharp and do a lot of good things so you could kind of copy them, you know, and then let them copy you that's how a lot of these businesses started. Some of them I came up with, but some of them were other people's ideas that, you know, they showed me it was working and that's, you know, we traded back and forth.
1: Mm, no, that makes sense. So how do you deal with competition, right? Because you, 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 found something successful and then you started getting copied by people outside of your network where you guys yeah. are helping each other.
0: Well, you got to be better than everybody. You know, you got to stand nice. You got to have the best location. You got to have the best marketing. You got to have, I mean, marketing is everything, but what I really, you know, one of the big things that I've done over my life is um, buy lots of businesses. So, my favorite business to buy by far are my competitors. So, literally, <laughs> literally, first of all, you get rid of the competitors. I mean, there's so many upsides from doing that. You know, now you could, there's a million things we probably don't have time to get into. But I've bought my first competitor... Uh, in the baseball cards, I would buy other people out, but my first really big competitor I bought was when I was in Beanie Babies. I had one of the best websites, top five websites in in the country, and I bought the you know two of the other top five websites um, if, that sold Beanie Babies. And we sold Beanie Babies, Pokemon cards, Magic the Gathering, all, all these kind of kind of collectibles that were you know kid collectibles and stuff. And I bought my I bought this uh, this competitor, and I remember I paid him. It was a creative deal. It was like a six hundred thousand dollar deal. I was in my early twenties. So it was mm-hmm. a decent amount of money. I had it, but I didn't want to spend it all. Yeah, I like you know saving. So I worked a creative deal with him. I gave him like you know around ten or fifteen percent down, and the rest over you know like five years. And I was literally paying him a few thousand a month, but I was making ten thousand a month on what I paid him. So I had that seven thousand a month cash flow. Right, and it it was it was really good. So I, I got hooked on buying competitors a- after that, and I just realized how beneficial it is besides getting rid of. My biggest competitors, I was able to grow my own business infinitely overnight instead of having to start something.
1: Right. So I had Carl, your partner on recently, and we were talking about how Facebook bought Instagram for a billion dollars. Like, man, almost a decade ago. Mm -hmm. And everybody's like, they're crazy. That's just way overpriced and you know, Instagram today is worth like a hundred billion yeah. as a standalone thing.
0: So everyone should know that every single big business out there, the biggest businesses that exist, I don't care if it's Amazon, Google, it doesn't matter who it is, has got that way, not by growing their business. No one grew their business to billion trillions. trillions. of It's impossible. <laughs> what did they do? They bought so many smaller businesses, everyone. That's how you make so much money. Like you were saying on stage earlier, everyone makes, everyone becomes millionaires with real estate. And that's true. Almost everyone becomes a millionaire with real estate. Yeah. No billionaires are made with real estate. Billionaires are made with business. Exactly. So, you know, it's a stepping stone, but like you got to get to a million before you <laughs> yeah, get exactly. to a billion.
1: And that's what I always try to tell people upstage. I'm like, guys, you're going to hear some amazing things about buying businesses mm-hmm. and stuff. But like, yo, if you're broke right now, yo, we got to like do step one first. Like, you 100%. know, yeah. We, we just got to figure out how to make some active income. Like you were hustling, building your own businesses first, and then you transition.
0: I hustled my ass off when I was younger. I mean, literally I would, I was doing everything, working my ass off. And I love that when you sit on stage today, you're like, guys, like everybody wants to have this passive income and everybody does, but you got to bust your butt and you've got to get you know active and do stuff. First of all, you learn a lot, you get better but like you just can't get passive income day one. You have to, <laughs> yeah. you just can't, you know, it's, it's a great like myth and it's a great, but you got to bust your butt and you got to get that active income. And then eventually that will lead into the passive income will lead into. Yeah, it
1: just thinking. starts to compound. and 100%. You're, And it compounds only because of the skills you built From building the things, the active income.
0: There's no way to, I mean, you could learn everything from people, but how do you learn the most? By doing it.
1: Everyone knows that my favorite way to build wealth is through real estate investing. That's the reason that I started Wealthy Investor, where we've trained thousands of students. But here's the thing. I've noticed that so many people fail to get started in real estate because they're worried about the money. They don't know where they're going to get the money to buy a house or flip or handle their renovations and things like that. And so they just never get started. I want to change that, and that's why I created a brand new free course that goes over five different ways that you could buy houses without using any of your own money today. And I'm gonna give you it completely for free. All you have to do is go to wealthyinvestor.com/slash podcast. I've made it specifically for you. The moment you go to that link, you'll be able to go get access to it and learn how you could start buying houses today without any of your own money. And if you're somebody who already has a real estate business and who wants to scale, we want to help you too. You can click the link below and book a free strategy call with our team if that's you. Tell me this, you know, like you were really good at catching trends. Now, you said you always have a bunch of ideas. So I assume, mm-hmm. yeah, like those three, they hit hard. Mm-hmm. But my guess is there was maybe 10 yes. that didn't,
0: yes. and maybe even way more. Yeah. So what's funny enough is for every 10 I tried, only like two or three took off. Seven, exactly. But I looked at it like poker. You know, I don't know if you play poker. Yeah, or I not. did. Yep. But, I was a big poker player and, um, you a full tilt guy. What were you? Yeah, I was actually I was actually, I was actually on, I, I played a lot of tournaments and live cash. So back in like 2004, uh, five, six, seven, I, I played like all the, you know, world series of poker events and world poker tours. I was actually on travel station, ESPN on a bunch of events. I, I made the final table a whole, a whole lot of times on some big events. Yeah. Um, but the way I look at it is like poker. Uh, you could literally play me and have the best hand eight out of 10 times. Mm -hmm. But you know what? I'm not going to pay you off. I'm going to fold. I'm not going to give you that much money. But when I had the best hand the two times, I would take all your money. (laughs) So that's kind of how I look at at business or real estate or whatever. You just got to know so many people make mistakes. They they have this thing. They think it's going to make so much money. And they just keep putting good money into bad money and losing it all. You got to know when to fold it. You got to know when to, You have you know, it's okay to have bad businesses. Everyone does. Like if someone tells you that they're, Wealthy, rich, successful, and they haven't done anything bad. They're full of crap. Yeah, you know. But what they were good at was getting rid of it way before they lost a lot of money with it.
1: Yeah, I read a book um, by Annie Duke, poker player, yeah, called. I
0: know her. Um, yeah, I played with her. Yeah, Howard she, Letterman's uh, sister.
1: Yep, yep. And um, dang, I'm, I'm losing. I can't remember what the book is, but it was her first book, and it was just basically about how like life is a game of odds, and yep. just talking about like yeah, like look, it's it's all probabilities. Nothing is certain. So it's like, look, I'm going to take a chance on this gold thing and yeah, I'm confident. Like, I think the odds are pretty good that it's going to work mm-hmm. out. I'm sure you didn't think the odds were you're were going to have 300 stores. Oh, like, that was good. like the 1%,
0: you know, <laughs> shot that you caught it on the river and got yeah, lucky. Exactly. No, for sure. But I have like a spreadsheet I use that basically shows like how duplicatable it is. You know, how much money is the most I can make? How much money is the most I can lose? Um, it's about 10 different things. and I rank them all from one to 10. And, and then you I got probabilities. I have probabilities. So that's how I figure out. Because I have like, 50 things I want to do, but I only do like three or four of them at a time. Right. Because so I figure out which ones have the best likelihood to make the most money, lose the least, all these different things. Right. And that's kind of how, but the way I find all of these like crazy, hot, unique, you know, things that are about to happen is I do, I'm, I'm crazy on the internet. Like I'll just go to Google and search the crap out of uh, Google <laughs> about what's the hottest thing in Japan. What's the hottest thing in the UK? What's the hottest thing in, you know, the West coast. What's the hottest thing in this state, that state. Then I'll go onto Groupon and I'll check to see what, has sold the most amount of Groupons in every single city. Every I didn't know Groupon's
1: still still a thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's still a thing for sure. I actually use it a lot. I mean, it was definitely bigger yeah. a few years ago. But I, you know, I have a handful, a bunch of different things that I'll research. And of course, I have my assistants that will help me put it all together on spreadsheets. And I just see what is hot, what's the fads. And then I'll go travel and check them out. And that's how I ended up in a lot of the businesses I'm in today. You know, I'm, I, I was one of the ones that blew up would have the most escape rooms in the country, mm-hmm. um, all kinds of other stuff. And a lot of this was by doing these Google searches and finding stuff that became really hot. And I was like one of the first ones in it and, uh, and blew them up. But yeah, I have a whole process to that.
1: Mm, I, I want to talk about escape rooms and ax throwing here yeah. later, but, you know, just like, I want to stay on this process because it's interesting. Um, when I just look at trends right in the last few years, the the first thing that popped to mind when you were like, what was hot in Japan and trends and Mm -hmm. this, that it's like a lot of stuff from Asia does come here late. Yep. And you know, Pokemon was one power Rangers. Uh I was watching the movie of, um, how power Rangers came to be. It was a really cool movie. I was like, Whoa, like nobody believed in this guy's vision that like this, (laughs) these five costume guys could be so big. And then like just the whole story was crazy. But, um, you know, I was always an anime guy, so I always loved all this stuff from Asia. But like just thinking about um, these things that have gotten big in the last few years, it's like big trends where people made a lot of money. Anything to do with COVID? Like yep. did, were you
0: ever selling COVID masks or yeah, anything? Yeah, big time. So when it first happened, uh, me and my partners, we set up uh, testing sites. It, it was. Bro, those people <laughs> who were doing the COVID
1: test, like I saw them pop up so fast and they were telling me how much money they're making. Millions of dollars a month. Millions Bro, of crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. And you it can, was a scam, but it was crazy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, any, anytime you make that much money, it's crazy. So, but like, yeah.
1: Well, it I, wasn't a scam, like for the guy setting up. It was a scam that you had to make like so much show money. all this stuff everywhere mm-hmm. you wanted to go and go into a place or get on a flight. Like it's the dumbest thing yeah, ever. I don't
0: even want to get into COVID because that's yeah, another yeah. story. But like, yeah, I, I the whole thing. But you capitalized still, on it. I capitalized on it. Yeah. And crazily. Yeah. Crazily. But it it, it was, was short lived, you know, it was like a year or something and yeah. it was done.
1: Yeah. Like another one I, I saw in the last recent few years was like, um you know, like the
0: ERC thing, you know, like people made killings on ERC. Yeah. All the accounts did that. I mean, I, so I have, luckily I have, had a ton of businesses when, uh, when COVID happened, luckily and unluckily, a lot of them did really well, but a lot of them kind of went to crap. Yeah. But, um, the ERCs and the PPPs, PPP, uh, PPP, yep. holy crap. I got, you don't even know how much money I got. It was, no, it was, but like the companies that were
1: getting it for people. Yeah. Making a lot of it. money. Yeah. yeah.
0: So my accountant and a bunch of other accounts, I know they were just sending letters to like everybody to do it and they were just making a ton of money, like helping people, but people needed that help. Like, yeah, they did. It was, it was a good service. It was just so many people were offering it. It was like, who should I use? Or whatever. Right.
1: But yeah. That was, that was a crazy. Yep that was a big trend um on like the product side yeah i'm thinking like fidget spinners were you ever in that oh of course fidget, fidgers, <laughs> of
0: course pogs well power rangers like every yeah, single pogs, t- pogs were great pogs were great yeah back i was i was one of the biggest ones in that for like a christmas or two uh, power rangers like when every time a, a new nintendo came out a new xbox a new whatever playstation every single year at christmas like that's what everybody wanted you couldn't get them I was able to get them. I had these connections. So like, whatever was hot for Christmas, I was always into that most of my life. And I would just figure out a way to get it. So like with
1: products like that, right? I mean, are you creating new entities being like, we, we're this fidget spinner company and we, you know, we got the best one. We're going to put it on Amazon. We're going to go get a Shopify and stuff. Or are you like, Hey, I I just, I know this is only going to last for like however long it lasts. And then this is toast and I'm not like putting a ton of like, how does that yeah. work? No,
0: that's exactly the way I look at it. I look at it. Like, I don't think this is going to last that long. because <laughs> I'm not
1: going to be a fidget spinner. Yeah. Like guy. No, I know. I
0: know because I've done so many like hot fad things that I know they don't last that long. So I just use my regular business to to sell as much of that as possible. Like I, I might have a business that sells something that I know is going to last for many years and just add that product to it.
1: Mm, got it. So like a collectibles business will yeah. start selling pogs.
0: Yeah. And, yeah. It's not its own standalone business because again, it might be hot for three, four months. Like you might could make millions and millions of dollars in a short period of time, but then it's like, now you have to, you gotta go find down. the next fad. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's funny because, you know, YouTube kind of now also tells you what the fads are. Yeah. You know, you see the influencers doing it and talking about it and, you know, I know that like um, Logan Paul like made Pokemon hot again. Yep. What was
0: that like? Oh my God. Yeah, it's crazy. I was already out of Pokemon at the time, but I have some friends that were into it and they were telling me, oh my God, they're like, you don't understand. Like they started making like millions and millions of dollars or tens of millions of dollars, you know, based on what they were making before. Like, this is the craziest thing. Baseball cards was another one. Like Gary Vee
1: and all those guys got them hot again.
0: Very hot. So I was big in a baseball card. So when real estate went crazy in 2020, 21, 22, baseball cards did it as well. And then when real estate kind of went down, so the baseball cards, (laughs) I kind of went together. It was kind of weird, but uh, I have so many friends that are still into it. So I, um, I did what's crazy is I still have a lot of friends that I was doing baseball cards with like 25 plus years ago. And they are all still in the baseball cards. Like I was in baseball cards, but then I adapted into Beanie Babies because it was more money. Then I adapted into- You just were you know,
1: always on to the next into, big thing.
0: Right. So that's a key thing that I wanted to kind of bring out. Um, You got to know how to adapt and change to the market and pivot. Right. Because like you can make a lot of money, but- sometimes they might die or sometimes there's stuff that could be a lot more profitable
1: and you see your time. And I tell people that all the time, like I've been through a lot of businesses too. And I've realized that no business is like forever really. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting, right? Because uh, like, let's just take the real estate, for example, you have flipped lots of houses, you know, thousands, thousands of thousands. homes.
0: But this is going back, you know, to the nineties.
1: Yeah. And you were telling me during 20, 21, 22, you were flipping 30 houses a month, just cranking yes. because that was the hot thing to do. And you right? can do it. Yeah, any idiot could do it. Yep, and you you know, and uh, I'm a testament. Like I'm an idiot, no, but like it. Every deal that I thought, oh, I was like, oh yeah, this would make thirty. It would make sixty. Yeah, and you're just like, damn, Same. buy them all. Well, buy them all.
0: I mean, what well, what happened was, you know, yeah. as everybody in real estate, like, like we had a time frame, like let's get this done in three months. And we're like, damn, it we went five months. That sucks. Oh, wait, that was, that was great. We just <laughs> made another twenty thirty. Grand. Yeah, it was crazy. The Holding cost was three thousand, and we made twenty grand extra. <laughs> it was insane. But yeah, I remember August of twenty twenty-two is when it all it all started yeah. to change. Yeah. But now now you have to be good to make money. It was still tons of money in it, but you oh, have yeah. to know what you're doing. You have to like buy a course from like you or yeah. you know, learn from someone that knows what they're doing. Cause now you couldn't just No, you can't buy any you know, property like, and it's yeah. just gonna appreciate. Right, right. Yeah. So um yeah, but then you know, stuff changed. A lot of people got out, you know, the best people stayed in and and then it got good again in 2023, January, February started to get really hot again. And then it started dying down again in August of 23. And in in my opinion,
1: that's just the normal cycle. Like it got back to normal of like, yeah, you know, the winter is always slow. Now it's going to just come back again. They're going to drop rates this year. So it's like, it's going to be good.
0: Yeah. It's it's hard to tell for sure, but real estate is always going to be good. It's just a matter of you got to figure out what the best strategy is at the time. Is it better to fix and flip? Is it better to wholesale? Is it better yeah. to have, you know, long-term rentals is you just figure out your, your niche and, you know, well, what's, and what's this your... is what I always
1: say with real estate. Like I'll do it forever the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm like you, I'm always adapting. Right. And so, you know, we have a fund Panada capital and, you know, people are like, you know, are you guys trying to like raise money and buy apartments? Like this was last year. I was like, not really. No, I'm like, it, it's hard to get a deal to pencil. Um, raising capital is really hard right now. Mm-hmm. Rates are high. I was like, could we do it? Absolutely. Is it the best use of my time, energy and resource? No. I'll devote time and everything to building this other thing yeah. that's the best use right now with the market, the trends and everything else. And then... You know, a year from now, like, you, it's like, hey, what's the best use of time right now?
0: And I'm the same thing. People always ask me because I'm really, really big in single family. That's mainly what I do. You know, 90%. I I do have a lot of commercial properties, but I'm not like fix and flipping my commercial. It's more for other stuff. But let's just talk about uh, residential. People always ask me, why don't I get into big multifamilies and this and that? And I tried it. I had some, you know, 100 and something units, 50 some units, and I just didn't like them for a lot of different reasons. So I, I, I'm i killing it with the single family. Why change into multifamily? If you're doing really, really good in something, don't change because you think that multifamily is getting better. I mean, for me, single family is so much better. It's so much liquidable. Like you could buy and sell them so much faster. There's so much more available. Uh, the people that are really good at multifamily... I really get a multifamily and they stick with it and multifamily is great. But for most people that get into single family, they should really never switch because that's what they're good at. It's a totally different type of, of game and market when you get into multifamily.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a very different ball game. So with business just overall, right. Uh, you're, you're always looking at the next trend. Um, Tell me about how escape rooms and uh, axe throwing came about, and like, how profitable are they?
0: Yeah, they're they're crazy profitable. So I started my first escape rooms. Literally, I was one of the first ones in the country. Like when I first started researching it, they were all over um, Asia, and um, there were like maybe fifteen or twenty in the United States at the time. Keep, keep in mind, there's tens of thousands right now. So there was like fifteen or twenty total, and I researched and I saw it. So I flew to a couple that were in the United States. Nobody knew what they were. And I saw the reason why I was able to tell how much money they made, because people aren't going to always tell you, but with escape rooms, you have to book your slots and you could see how many slots are available. And then you could see how many are full. And I used to like have my assistant, my executive assistant basically have a spreadsheet of every escape room that existed. And they would mark how many sold for each, each slot for like a month, a month out. Mm -hmm. And I saw that they were like literally on a waiting list. Most people for like a month or or so out. And they were charging like 25 to 30 bucks an hour and how many hours they were selling. I was able to tell, and I was like, holy shit, this is like (laughs) crazy amount of money. Like, what are the expenses? I went there. I kind of figured out, like I could do it for this. Like there's big money in it. So um, at the time there was one that opened in Atlanta or two. And I was like the, the, probably the third one or so in Atlanta, but I opened, I was the second one in uh, New Jersey because New Jersey actually had the first escape room in the country, mm. first or second. So I opened up a ton all throughout New Jersey, Pennsylvania, New York, because I have a good partner there, Atlanta. Um, and then, you know, Florida, Kansas, really so all over.
1: What what does it cost to open an escape room? What kind of profits are the making? so you can
0: open an escape room for as low as twenty to fifty thousand bucks, but they're crap. Um you could open one for a million dollars and they're like pimp, but that's like a totally crazy amount to spend because you don't get your money back fast. So Every escape room that I open, I average about $250,000 on build a build out, out but yeah. it was like, they were like the nicest ones in the city, besides like this anomaly where people just went crazy. And, um, I kind of set the standard for like really nice ones at the time. And basically, I would probably get my money back, um, in three to six months. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's how fast <laughs> I'd get my money in profit. Like, wow. Yeah. We did crazy numbers and, like literally it's, it's the same with, with X drawing. Axe drawing was almost similar. I, I spent about 250,000 on location. I make them really nice. You could, you could do them again for 50,000 or less, but they're just, you know, they don't stand down. There's so much competition. So you want to be the nicest ones. And um, literally I'm, I'm before COVID I had my best locations make 150,000 profit a month, a month profit. So That's almost crazy. Almost a million and a half, $2 million. A year. That's
1: crazy to think like a retail just normal location for axe throwing
0: the average person that makes no sense the average person spends forty dollars plus maybe buys some drinks and stuff so fifty dollars a person we have hundreds of people that come through every day and there's not much cost i mean it's just people throwing axes like the wood's really cheap and there's special wood that could last for a long time um its employees so you rent. might
1: be bringing in you know 150 200 grand in revenue a month but your expenses are just so low
0: yeah i mean our best locations were bringing in over 200,000 a month yeah our our worst locations were you know bringing in 60,000 a month in in gross and you know, we're making like 20,000 or 25,000 profit, but our best locations were making. So what, how is it today with more competition? So COVID really hurt yeah. hurt that business. Yeah. So as soon as COVID hit, the, the numbers went crazy low and and plus on top of the fact that COVID happened and people weren't going together, so many more acts were open. So the competition just grew. So th- they're probably like less than half what they were before COVID, but we still, we still crush it. I have 17 locations throughout the whole country and, um, only one I, I got recently, I had 16 at COVID and I was going to open a bunch more, but I stopped because of the whole thing, but I recently bought somebody a competitor Yeah, and, and I have 17, uh, locations all over the place.
1: So here's my thing, like with real estate, there's not really a lot of creativity involved. People think like, oh man, I got to like, you know, make the house look nice. Like that's the most creative thing you got to do. It ain't hard with real business. I don't say real business, but like, uh, a product based business a service-based business, you got to have way more creativity with it. Like, you know, to throw an event like this, it's got to be extremely creative mm-hmm. with how you shape the environment and everything in between. And an escape room is very similar. It's like, how do you actually like make an escape? Like, where do you learn? Do you yeah. just copy what's already been done? Do you bring in a partner who's done it before? How do you
0: go about that? No, so you have to be super creative to do escape rooms because it's all about <laughs> finding clues, making it yeah, interesting. Yeah, like I'm like,
1: where do you even figure yeah. that out?
0: So a little bit of everything. You copy a lot of people but you yeah. don't copy everything. You copy like little bits and pieces yeah, yeah. and put it together. You bring in people that are, are creative, that are good at design, that are good at coming up with clues and puzzles and, and you kind of work together and you come up with your ideas, you have their ideas and yeah. you copy other people's ideas and all, all together. So you just
1: like went through escape rooms yourself and just- just like experienced 100%. it.
0: And then there were also people that I did this with a little bit that sold like room, like room layouts and room puzzles and everything together. And you could buy a whole room and just have them come install it. So right. we did a little bit of that. So, we didn't know so they what had kits. Yeah. yeah. They had like full made kits and they would just go and put them in different places.
1: See, like that's another bit I'd be thinking about. Like, all right, I did like 10 successful ones. Let me template this. Mm-hmm. To either go franchise and do it or to sell yep. to everyone. That's
0: what a lot of people did. A lot of people like had like really successful ones and uh, they just sold their ideas to other people. And once it's, you know, it's hard coming up with it the first time, but once it's like bulletproof, it's proven. You know, it's proven, now you can start selling it and it's easy to duplicate.
1: That's the same thing with what we do with education. Yeah. It's like you build out your SOPs and everything and then you just sell yeah. it.
0: And like you were saying on stage earlier, which is so like dead to the point, um, yeah, like when you're buying businesses, you have all different types of businesses. Well, yeah, you, the actual product is different or the service is different, but the business is 90 some percent <laughs> the same no matter what the business is, whether you're doing this or this or this. I mean, the marketing is very similar. The accounting is very similar. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the SOP. Business the, is business. Yeah, business is business. Like it's it's the same thing. You just got to learn another product. And you don't even have to learn it because you could have somebody run it for you that knows that product or that service. So exactly. That's kind of how how we do it. Like, I don't know crap about most. I mean, if you ever watched Undercover Boss, they come in and they have to work and they don't know crap. They look like the biggest idiots, but they're the ones making all the money because they know how to run a business. They don't know about that particular business. Yeah, necessarily. I don't
1: know how to flip the burger patty and what, yeah. you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do you have to learn how to like the CEOs of Burger King, do they know how to make a burger. I, they probably don't.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so what do you
0: see as some upcoming trends? Um, well, obviously I'm really heavy into, into real estate now. So I see a lot of really cool stuff with real estate. I see, more and more people getting into creative real estate, so creative financing with real estate is, um, is is taking off, especially because you know interest rates were so low the last few years. Now it's gone up a lot. Yep. There's so much benefit to get into creative uh, real estate where you could take over people's loans and do this owner finance stuff. So that that's going to be really big in real estate, in business. I mean, really the trends. Changed so much, it's hard to tell. But what I tell you is, I just keep up on the internet and look all the time, <laughs> and just try to and try to figure it out. You know. Um, so is your focus just mainly real estate right now? You don't have like any new business ideas? Yeah, I I, I do have um, some new business stuff. So I actually bought like six businesses over the last six months, and I have a couple in the works that I'm about to close on, but they're random. Like my businesses are not all the same. Like so, I own a ton of entertainment stuff. I have a lot of escape rooms, ax throwing, I have arts and craft studios. I have some putt putt golf places like really cool, you know, with bars and kitchens and all that. I have a a ton of MMA gyms. I'm I'm big into jujitsu. So I've been doing that for a long time. I I love, I fought for a while, um, MMA and,
1: um, I was going to ask you how you got the cut on your nose, but Carl already told me it wasn't from jujitsu.
0: Yesterday, man, I re- I'm i an idiot. You know, like, you see the America's Funniest Videos where these dogs and birds like run into like glass doors because they don't think that's what that was. Me you ran into a glass door. <laughs> I, I literally ran into a glass door, uh, and it was crazy. It was here at the M? It was no, it was at the win. So oh. I, I was going to do a podcast uh, with Sean, uh-huh. and um, I was running late because my plane was late. So I was running, and I wasn't paying attention, and boom, right in there, and. uh, <laughs> It was all on video because I brought your camera guy, my camera guy, and he was just videoing the whole trip. And just happened to Bro, be send me that. that. I want to.
1: I want to b roll that. Route yeah. as we do this on the. He
0: tripled it like three times. Like, and the noise when I hit the glass is the real noise. I didn't add that. Just bam. Yeah, yeah. And he just posted it on my social media. I think yesterday. Oh, like, we're gonna rip we that just yeah. went over and over and over. I mean, but I like making fun. Of, you know, people love it when you make fun of yourself and when you yeah, know, yeah. bad things happen. So I, you know, that that's what really blows up when uh, the views, but. Yeah. So I've always done good in real estate. I've always done good in in business. The one thing that I really messed up on really, really bad that like you and a whole bunch of other people, why I look up to you so much is because you got into a trend that I should have got into. I should have seen it coming. Cause I, that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Social media. Mm. Like you started your social media, you know, way before me, mm-hmm. uh, way, way before me. I, I yeah. learned, uh, you know, mostly how to do it from you. Yeah. You know? So um, yeah. So that was really cool. And, you know, obviously I started my YouTube channel only like a year, year and a half ago. Yeah. From zero subscribers. Now I've got, I think around 17,000 or something That's amazing, bro. in a year, but it's, it's literally following all the stuff that you, um, that you do and that you taught us to do. So I have like a, a team of camera guys that I, I have in my office and you know, I bought the wealthy, wealthy
1: creator creator yep.
0: and I just put them all through it. Yeah. And, uh, they're actually, I remember kind of, seeing them on the calls. They're, they're really close. It. They're really close with a lot of your guys. Like yeah. they talk a lot. So yep they just basically do all that stuff. And you know that's how, that's how we ended up uh, you know, building it so much. If you're watching this show, my guess is
1: you're probably an entrepreneur who's trying to grow your business. And for me, the best thing I ever did to grow my business was build my personal brand on social media. It's allowed me to get more revenue. It's allowed me to raise more capital. And it's allowed me to hire better talent. And if you are not currently creating content for your brand, you're missing out and your competition is. So, if you want to learn to grow, my advice is to create a podcast. Now, there's a lot that goes into building a podcast and why I believe it's the best way. So I've actually created a free training that I want you to go check out. If you go to panadamedia.com slash podcast, you can go access the free training right now and see how a podcast is going to be the best decision to grow your personal brand today. So go check it out by clicking the link below. And I'll see you in the training. Why do you think? Yeah, because I, you know, I think about trends I caught, and I was like, I was watching TikTok in 2020. I was like, dude, I don't even like social media. Like, I like mm-hmm. doing business, but I was like, this is pretty addicting, dude. I think this might really take off, and I just started making videos because I thought that it was going to be a pretty big thing. Same yeah. with YouTube, and you know, like we said, it could be luck or it could be because we're always observant to opportunity and always looking for opportunity.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I, I I
1: think why do you think social media is so important like cuz a guy like you who's already ultra successful you don't need social media to be successful no. you can start these brick and mortar businesses mm-hmm. like you're talking about where yeah you need to know how to market them on social media and stuff but Abraham Grey the social media influencer doesn't necessarily need to exist
0: Yeah we don't need to so that's why a lot of the richest people you know don't have a big social media and they they, didn't, they don't need it yeah. But what I realize is everyone that's successful they have this need to to be more successful, not because they need the money, but because like, let's just say I stopped making money or I'm not making as much as I, I just don't feel good about myself anymore. Yeah. You, you always want to improve. That, you have to improve, you know, you want to help people, you want to improve. And when you have that social media presence, there's so much more opportunity, right? Like, I see people that like never would have made it at all before social media time be the biggest in their fields right now, just because of social media, because they're so good on camera. They're so good at talking to people are so relatable, um, that now they've blown up. And I, I just realized that, man, if I had that social media following, yes, I'm where I'm at today now, but how much more would I have been if I started a few years ago? It's just, it's unbelievable. Yeah. How old are you today? I'm 49 this year.
1: Okay. So, you know, what's funny is I've interviewed a lot of guys who are right about there. Right. And I think like, um, you know, Ed Milet's right around there, Patrick, but David's around mm-hmm. there. Um, you know, it, I call them like the guys, I guess that were, let's just say a, it's not even a full generation, but like, you know, a generation ahead and most of the guys who I interview that are your age, you know, like network marketing was the thing when you mm-hmm. were coming up and they all did it. Yeah. Like every, did. were you ever in network marketing? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I
0: mean, you had to have been to <laughs> You
1: had to have been back then. And I look at it as the equivalent of social media today where it was like, that was the big thing. Everyone said if you weren't in it, you weren't going to like succeed. And, you know, obviously guys like Ed and Patrick, they did crush it and yeah. made hundreds of millions from network marketing. And then for me, I look at this generation, these guys who are in their 20s, early 30s, it's like, yo, social media no nobody cares about network marketing. Mm-hmm. We're like, yo, social media is what you got to do. This is the thing that's going to, you know, catapult you because we've seen guys like Logan Paul and Mr. Beast and yeah. all these guys just crush it and build businesses with their influence.
0: I, I predict that some of these big influencers like Mr. Beast type type uh, influencers are going to be the next, pre- you know, like in 20 years, 30 years they're going to be the presidents of the United States. They're going to be yeah. like all those type of people because those are the people that are, people are really going to relate to and like and they're the, going to have just watched their whole life. There's no way that they can lose a, a, a candidacy like who's not gonna? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's impossible
1: they're going to have money. They're going to have all the media. They're going to yeah. have the attention.
0: Yeah. I, mean, I remember meet Kevin was going to run for governor or something of California, yep. but they wouldn't let him put meet Kevin on the thing. So he didn't do it because people didn't know his, his real name. So like it would have hurt, but if he was able to get on the ballot as Meet Kevin, he for sure would have won. Yeah. Yeah. I I spent, a, I spent a couple of days um, with him. It was pretty cool. We flew yeah. on his jet to a few places. He, he's a really cool
1: yeah. influence. Kevin's a character, dude. Yeah. He, um, yeah, we've done some things together. He's actually coming, um, Next month to the podcast. Oh, that's awesome. So we're gonna catch back up and see kind of like where his life's at these days. Yeah, but dude, he—I mean—he was killing it. Like, dude, he was making like oh crazy t- twenty million bucks like just from YouTube. Yeah, I was like, yeah.
0: this dude's going live like five times a day. And COVID helped all those people so much because you couldn't get out, so everybody was watching that yeah. stuff. Yeah, watching this. Another big name of someone that. You know, I didn't tell you all the businesses they have, but I have like lots of trophy stores. I have, oh, oh, I, <laughs> this guy. I mean, literally all kinds of stuff. But one of the, one of the big businesses that, that I, I had started seven years ago was uh, martial art gyms. Yep. And uh, I thought that I could just grow them and do really well because I did good at every other business. Well, gyms are a totally different business. So the marketing that I did for everything else wasn't working and it got frustrated. So I found Alex from Yep. seven years ago. Um, a gym launch, and I bought gym launch. Did you buy like everyone's mentorship? Everyone, it's crazy, not to. If you learn one little thing, yeah. you can make hundreds. It's not hundred thousand, yeah. not millions. So it's crazy.
1: And I like I see that from a guy like you. Sorry, so successful. You're like, no, dude, I want to buy wealthy creator. I want to buy gym launch. I want to buy this. smarter than me in, in, in social
0: media. <laughs> uh, Alex is way smarter than me in, in gym. Yeah, you know, everyone, no one's good at everything. Yeah, and you know I'm good at what I'm good at, but like there's a million other things that I could but, learn from everyone.
1: But I think like your humbleness is what stands out to say. Hey, dude, you know, you don't walk in with ego and like, yo, no. I'm this big guy. You should want to, you know, work with me. And like, I'm doing you a favor by like, you know, the, you're like, no, dude. I'll pay what it is. I'm coming in, yeah. and you know I want to learn. I'm here to learn, and you know then it's just it, it gets you in the door to like all these. And then it just whatever happens happens. Yeah, and
0: I mean you know how much money <laughs> I made by spending whatever I spent buying yeah. that thing. Crazy, like I, I grew so many things because of it, and opened up so many opportunities. It, it's worth it's worth anything, you know. Yeah.
1: So tell me, like, how did how did gym launch and everything? So gym the launch was
0: crazy. So I I I was losing a bunch of money in my first gym. And uh, I was like, dude, I, I don't want to lose money, this sucks. And, but I, and I didn't want to get rid of the gym. I wanted to see if there was another way I could make it make money. I wanted to give it another six months a year. So I saw a whole bunch of people. Alex was one of them. I bought his program. I actually spent 150,000 on his program over time because dude, this guy is the, the, a brilliant marketer. Like yeah. it was- And six, he wasn't even big yet. Like as nobody a social media he he was. He was literally homeless the year before I bought his program, <laughs> homeless. Now he's worth hundred yeah. millions, right? Yeah. And every single time people will talk like, "Oh, you want to make Alex Ramosi type videos? You want like he's like the person that everyone yeah, like." Yeah. But so yeah, so I bought his program. Um, he had this one thing that worked. It was this six week challenge, and we we implemented it into in my gym, and it literally went from losing money to making a shit ton of money, <laughs> like in 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 months, in a few months, crazy. It was the program like was sick. It was all like uh, Facebook ads and certain offers and it was crazy. And I went from that, from having that one gym to three gyms, I ended up buying like over a dozen gyms. Um, and I'm gonna talk about how I how I find all these businesses that I buy, I'm gonna talk yeah. about a little bit today. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I ended up buying all these gyms and I just implemented Alex's program into all these gyms and they all just started yeah. taking off. I ended up selling half of them, I still have about half of them. But yeah, that, that's how I met Alex. And no one knew who he was. I remember going to his meetups. There were like not even 100 people. Then yeah. I went to some, there were 300, then 1,000. It, it was crazy. And yeah. Before you knew it, now he's like, everyone knows Alex Romo. Yeah. I was like, not even people in the gym business. Didn't make, because if you weren't in the gym business, there was no reason. You would have him. had no idea who he was. Yeah, there was no reason to. So with that, like,
1: you know, you, you own some gyms still. You yeah. own some escape rooms. You own some axe throwing and, you know, a whole bunch of things. I guess my question is, why not be like, all in or all out to different things. Right. Because obviously you get into an escape room and an axe throwing when it's hot and you're like trying to build them as fast as you can. And then, you know, competition comes, COVID comes and you're like, Hey, you know, we're kind of done trying to grow this and, you know, I'll either just keep what I have or I'll sell yeah. a portion or like, how do you go through that? thought? So process? I, I
0: treat, I treat my businesses and by the way, I have partners in all my businesses okay. because I can't operate a business. Like I'm the one that like finds and negotiates them and I have operators, but um, the way the way I look at businesses is the same exact way I look at at real estate I buy tons of properties to cash flow as rentals and make you know that three four five thousand dollars a month or some of my commercials tens of thousands a month and I do the same with the business like I'm not operating it so it's passive it's totally passive for me <clears throat> right and I just have you know most of my businesses have Fifteen to thirty thousand a month coming in every single month from each business. Right. So it's just a passive thing. Like if somebody comes and offers and wants to buy it, yeah, then I'll, I'll t- everything's for sale. And, and I guess selling a
1: business is a lot harder than selling real estate.
0: It's harder, but it's it's definitely very possible if you know what you're doing. But. Right if I don't really, I'm not motivated to sell any of my businesses that are cash flowing and I'm, it's super passive because I just have money coming in every yeah. single month. So it doesn't matter. Now my businesses that are giving me grief, either they're not making enough money or they're taking too much of my time. So they could be a really good business, but it takes too much of my time. Those are the ones that I actively would try to sell. Yeah, But if it's not for those two things, Just keep them. I keep them like I don't ever try to sell my rentals either. Right. Just keep them. They're cash flowing. I don't manage any of them. I have a property manager. I don't even know. I haven't even been to over half the homes I own. I I mean, I don't know any of the tenants. Yeah. I just get checks every month. So it's why sell them? You know, I sell them if somebody makes me a good offer, but I'm not motivated.
1: So, like the 300 gold stores you had, did you end up selling those or what happened?
0: So, what's crazy is 2007, you know, gold kept going up. The business kept going up. 2011 was my best year. 2012 was pretty good. Then I started, gold started just. D- diving down. So it went from like 1890, 1900, all the way down to a thousand bucks and literally business like kind of died. I was in the process of selling to a, a big um, like hedge fund type, type place. And um, the, toward the end, it, the deal just went bad. I had like $150 million offer, Whoa. but the numbers turned and they kind of got out. So I sold like a whole bunch of stores to a lot of my managers and to some employees and kind of just shut down the rest as they got worse. But, um, it, it was, it was a good exit, but it was nowhere near like if I sold the whole business, but it, the business I you could get made so much down.
1: cash from the years that it wasn't. Yeah. You That's didn't, how I made all my money. Yeah, I made you, all my
0: money by just operating them and, and doing it.
1: Yeah. You didn't have the big exit. Like yeah. most people when they make, right. you know, I was money.
0: a year too, too late. If I would have sold it a year earlier, I would have had another 150 million bucks. Why didn't you? It's bad timing and you know when you're when you're dealing with all these people it, they want to do so much due diligence take so much time i started too late if i would have started 6 9 months earlier by the time that all their due diligence was over it probably would have went through but like
1: it you, just kept getting worse every month because so you thought you had started at the right time and then the price of gold is what killed the deal essentially
0: the price of gold going down and then the economy starting to get a little bit better
1: why would the economy getting better? Because
0: people didn't need to sell as much. They, okay. weren't as, they weren't as desperate. You know, why do people why do people sell so much property? One of the big reason one of the big properties that we go after are foreclosures. Yeah. They're desperate. They need to sell it. Like they're going to lose it either way. Well, if somebody doesn't have enough money for their rent, they can't feed their kids. They have to sell whatever they're going to sell. Right. So as the economy got better, the people didn't need the money as much.
1: Yeah. No, that and, makes sense.
0: And the other thing was, when gold hit, the reason why every single year and every single month. The sales kept going up is because gold kept going up. So people were like, I'm not going to sell till his system, this number. I'm not going to sell to hit this number. So every person at 1,000 sold, 1,100, 1,200, and it got to, and then it started going down. So everybody was looking for the next yeah. high number and it never happened. It kept going down. So people were like, well, if I didn't sell at 1,800, I don't want to sell 1,600. And when 1,600 got to 1,200, I don't want to sell 1,200. They're waiting for it to go back up and they weren't as desperate. So everything kind of went the opposite way.
1: Right. No, that makes sense. So, I mean, like you could say it was 100. 100- Fifty million dollar mistake by not one hundred percent. It was selling a year earlier. It was right. It was. What are some of the other big failures or mistakes you've had?
0: Oh man, tons! Like there's so many. Uh, you know, really, I have partners in ninety some percent of my businesses. So having the wrong partners is a big mistake. But um, what,
1: what, what,
0: in hindsight
1: now, why were those partners bad? What, what, what should have you done differently? So a lot of them were
0: early on. You know, when I was younger in my twenties, even in my thirties, and I didn't have really good operating uh, you know, I didn't, just didn't have like good contracts with everyone explaining exactly what you need to do, exactly what I need to do. And we just, you know, kind of winged a lot of it. And then when it came down to like, like when business is going good, everyone's friendly, like every, everything's good. Uh, most of the time, you know? <laughs> I, there are some really asshole people. People that, still get greedy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But when you really tell, if you have a good partner is when stuff goes South. So when stuff goes South now, you know, the good partners are still going to be, you know, on the same page as you, but some of the, some of the ones that you have problems with are going to try to take advantage of a situation or lose less than you or, or whatever, or start doing less work when they're supposed to do certain things. And um, yeah, you, you got to learn to be really spell out everything. What's, what's needed ahead of time. And I don't get into like big businesses with, with new partners that I haven't done stuff with. So I try mm. to do like small stuff with people. And then if that works, I, I do bigger stuff and then bigger stuff. And a lot of my partners now are ones I've had my whole life or ones that, you know, I do so many different events and go to events like yours and I meet people at all these events and I'll do like different smaller type deals. Like there's somebody here that's at this event that I started a turtle business with a year ago and (laughs) everything goes good with that. Now we'll do, you know, a retail location and then we might do something else. And that's kind of like how a lot of my partnerships work. I, 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 try to see like how we do on a smaller thing to see if I even want to work with them on, on a bigger thing. And um, if it's someone that I'm not even sure about less than that, you know, I have ways to get out and have them get out or buy them out or then buy me out. But yeah, you just gotta be really careful to make sure you have good people because it's just like a marriage, you know, like you don't want to be in a, in a relationship, whether it's business or, or yeah. your husband or wife with someone that you're, you're not going to get along with.
1: So you think partnerships are the number one reason of failure. Yeah.
0: That's yeah. A hundred percent partnerships are, 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 Is a deal breaker if you have a bad one, but you know, having a good one is everything. Yeah. And of course, having the best employees. So that's another thing. Um, I, I hate going cheap and and hiring like low level or or medium type employees. I want to get like the best people I can get, pay them all that, whatever. I want to be on the top range because that's, what's going to make or break your business. You want people to be happy that they're making as much as they feel they should be making and they're going to grow your business and it's going to show through. So another big mistake I made was just hiring, People because they were cheaper and, but you get what you pay for.
1: Yeah, no, that makes sense. So with people, obviously, I mean, that's like, that's the key to scale, right? Like it's just more people usually. Um, what ideas didn't work out?
0: So I've had, um, haunted houses that I try. So I, that was one of the things I researched. This is back, you know, early two thousands. I tried some big haunted houses. I spent a couple hundred thousand building out like these massive haunted houses. And I, 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 Research all these haunted houses that are making crazy amounts. Haunted houses make a lot of money. (laughs) I mean, crazy money. But I didn't research it good enough, and I didn't realize most haunted houses lose money or break even the first year. Right, they start making money like second or third year and on because the first years where it costs to build everything out. They have to buy all the props, they have to do all this stuff. And is it only during Halloween? Yeah, it's, it's only a short period of time. They make money three months, four months out of the year. But you know, some of them changed from a haunted house into other types of things in a, other parts of the year. But um, but yeah, so I opened some haunted houses and lost my ass because you know um, I didn't realize that. You know, what you had to do to make money on them. And I got locations that I couldn't stay in. That I had to move afterwards. And a lot of it's the build out and taking it down. I didn't build it right to where I could take it down and rebuild it. Right. Um, and I just didn't account for that the first year weren't going to make money. I just thought because all the ones I knew were making so much money that I could just go in there and make money. And so that was one. But there's all kinds of different like websites that I bought that sold different products that I tried that didn't work out. Um, a couple different, you know, brick and mortar stores that I thought, you know, made sense that, you know, either I didn't have the right partner yeah, or it all goes back to that. You know, really, I mean, I'm the right partner or my research was flawed. Like I, I didn't know everything. I didn't you do enough the diligence. You missed something. I missed some it. stuff on the diligence that, you know, I, every time I miss something, I make sure that going forward, I don't miss that type of stuff anymore.
1: Right. So it seems like just from listening you got a lot of brick and mortar are you like brick and mortar um do you favor that over an online business what's your thoughts
0: yeah i mean i don't really favor it over online but like you know i'm um, like I said, i'm 49 this year and that's yeah. just kind of like what it was back then so <laughs> i'm like just old You're school used to it. i'm used to it and i got really heavily into entertainment for some reason it just happened you know that became this, your niche it, it became my niche because it was just fun you know, and every single time I do an event, I've done events in all these different states. I have my own mm-hmm. entertainment there, so we just go out every night to my extraordinaire locations. Yeah, yeah. or To my, and it's just kind of cool. I could take everyone to my putt putt place. I could take everyone. You and, got anything and, here and, in Vegas? I don't have anything. At, well, no, I don't have anything in Vegas. But one of my partners is opening um, an art studio, like a spin art studio. Yeah, make all these t- cool. splash rooms where you, So they're opening. Uh, I think next this year they're going to open. But I don't. I don't uh, have anything in Vegas. But I have stuff. Probably yeah. maybe like six states right now. Yeah. States. But you
1: found your niche and you love it and you yeah. enjoy it and you know how to make it profitable. You know, people are always going to want entertainment. Yep. So yep. like, it's going to be around. It's just whatever's entertaining at that moment.
0: Yeah. And there's nothing really right or wrong for someone to get into. You should get into what you enjoy, what you have some experience in. Yeah. You can make money in everything. If you're the best at anything, I don't care what it is, you're going to make a lot of money. But if you don't know what you're doing, you could be in the best industry. People are like, oh, this is the best industry. But if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to lose money. Yeah. So you got to go with what you're good at and what you what you know Yeah. What does your parent company look like to manage all this? So I have like one or two main partners that I'm partners in probably a good 60, 70% of the stuff I do with. And they kind of manage, you know, the, the day-to-day operations. They manage the accounting and the legal and, um, you know, I, that's kind of like how, how, how it works. I, I'm the one that goes out and finds all the new stuff. I'm the one that negotiates buying the businesses. I'm the one that finds all the real estate and yeah. I, I enjoy it. It's fun. Like I love doing it. Like my partners hate doing that, but I hate doing what they do. Yeah. They're ops. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's what it is. And they operate it all and they basically tell me like how much more they could take on. And if they could take more on, I'll, I'll find more stuff. If they can't, I'll either not do much more or I'll find other partners that could take it on. That's why I do have a lot of, different partners in different businesses yeah. because there's only so much someone could handle.
1: I'm surprised because like, you know, I have Panadico. And mm-hmm. so like, you know, I've got my COO, my CFO. Um, I'm building our own in-house marketing so that it can just market to everything because that's what we're really good at. Um, you know, we do a lot of our recruiting from the top and place them in the different businesses. So I was curious if you had anything like that.
0: I I don't have anything like that right now, but at at times when I had like more bigger businesses that I did with everyone, yeah. So now I have like a lot of like one or two three offs that like I do with a few different. There's not a lot
1: of synergy. It's not as much synergy. Yeah, like
0: with with my entertainment, if it's all in the same city, then I do like hire for my escape rooms and my axe drawing and my putt putt and my you know stuff like that all together, my arts and craft studios. But like I have stuff all over now. So it's hard to hire, you know, have someone hire for New Jersey. That's in Atlanta, that you know, for Florida, for yeah. all these different places, Chicago. So it doesn't always work out that way.
1: So are you a believer in that? Like, okay, yeah, we want to make passive income. Uh, are you thinking that, Hey, I just, for me getting more passive income is buying more businesses.
0: Yeah. I mean, I love buying more businesses for passive income and I have like a, a whole way, you know, we figure it out, but um, but I like real estate just as much. I literally, yeah. this is what confuses people about people are always like, I'm confused. that dude, I don't know what the hell you do Yeah, because because I don't do real estate. I don't do business. I don't do lending. I do, I do it. Yeah. I do all of it. And I do all of it. There's very few people that, that do like all of it on an equal level. Like people right. do it all, but they're like,
1: they're heavy. In they're one. heavy
0: in one. Yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty spread out. And that's what confuses people. Cause I'll show people all kinds of stuff, but I've done good in everything. And I'm always trying to learn and get better at, at everything. So um, you know, those are the three things right now that I, that I do a lot of, I do a lot of real estate, a lot of, but, um, you know, business and lending, but when, when real estate becomes really hot, I'll stay away from business for a little bit because there's so much money in real estate. And then when real estate dies, I get really heavy in business.
1: Yeah. So you, you know, you only have so much focus and energy and attention. And so you yeah. are just focused on the trend of the moment.
0: Yeah. Whatever's the easiest thing, hottest thing to do at the time, because everything else will get hot at some point. Just, yeah. just wait for it.
1: Did you ever want to build like one you know massive company and you know sell off and these different things Yeah a
0: few times um obviously the gold was was one of the the main yeah. ones Yep um we had it really close to being sold but um with all our entertainment we actually uh, are in the works to have someone buy like our 30 40 locations of just different random entertainment Yeah it's, it's a big deal we're working on right now um, I don't know if it'll happen or not. Like I'm, i never actually went to pursue to try to sell it. Cause I don't care if I sell it or not, but if someone comes to me and wants to buy it, you know, and they give us their number, we'll sell it. So we're, so you sell
1: them all as one entertainment yeah. company. Yeah. yeah, We
0: actually have $250,000 hard earnest money t- toward it all, but I don't know if they're actually going, they're going to buy it, Yeah, but, um, if, if it sells great. So, you know, if I go out to try to sell my, my stuff people are going to try to negotiate and, and you know i it's going to go for less money but yeah. if i'm not like actively trying to yeah. sell and people come to me and they want to buy mine
1: yeah you're I, like I, make me an offer i can't refuse yeah
0: that's that's how it is so that's kind of the way i feel on a lot of these businesses that just kind of run itself and you know passive income
1: yeah no that's cool man that's super crazy that uh like i bet you cuz you don't seem like super attached to anything you're like me it's very much just like yeah you know I'm not like, this is my only thing. Like, I'll, I'll do the next thing. I'm agnostic. And um, I bet you would feel like relieved to sell them because now you're like, dude, okay, cool. My yep. plate's my plates empty. Now some, we're we're going to go
0: do something. To some degree, for sure. You know, you have yeah. that. You feel relieved, but then you're like, you kind of miss a little bit, but you're kind of relieved. Yeah, you're but, like, all right, now I can go like, I got all this capital. Yep. We're about to go
1: do this new thing.
0: Yeah. It's very rare that I don't have enough capital to do something I want. Like I, you know, luckily I made a lot of money over the years. And then also I partner with all these people that have made a lot of money with me all these years. So between us all. So somebody's got the money at that moment. We always have a lot of money. To go do it. Yeah. We always have a lot of money. What's crazy is the one thing that I don't do much of that, like I see a lot of successful people do is raise capital. I very rarely raise capital. I I have people that give me money, but I'm not even trying to raise it. They're like, oh, let me. You're not
1: publicly looking for money. It's like, you have your network and it's like, yo guys. Yeah you want to partner up on this? You know, we each need to throw in this. Let's go.
0: And raising capital is one of the most important things you can do in in, in anything. Like (laughs) you can raise capital, you're going to be successful. But that's just one thing I never really got into myself.
1: Yeah. Well, bro, I learned a ton. I appreciate you coming to WealthCon, supporting, um, you know, promoting and dude, you know, and and being a part of Wealthy Creator and everything else, bro. Like I'm I'm honored to know you and I'm honored to... You know, do more things together, and you know, maybe one day be partners in something. I don't know, yeah. But one, whatever one it'll be, one day, yeah. Maybe we'll start an events business. I, I'm getting pretty good at throwing those, so you you're, know, you're there's a the lot of opportunity. You got, you got
0: the biggest <laughs> damn events, like see, everyone talks about. All right, what's the biggest event around it? Your name's always up. Ryan Panetta, Ryan mm-hmm. Panetta. When it comes well, to business, yeah, you know, let, real let's, estate.
1: Let's start events business, dude. Yeah. There's a lot of money. I've seen people sell, like you know, oh yeah. I'm not going to sell WealthCon, but we no. can
0: create, you know, for sure. Whatever. Well, we'll be staying in touch all the time. Yeah. Well, dude, where can people find you? So they can find me on my YouTube that um, helped me grow a lot. Uh, Abraham Gray. What are you talking about on YouTube? Business and stuff? Business is business and real estate mostly, but I do a lot of weird stuff too. Like (laughs) I'm I'm in martial arts. So like I did a a thing where I went to a park and challenged people to try and knock me out and I can't hit them back. And, but I just do weird stuff because I'm kind of, I'm very not serious type person. Like I I can't be serious for too long. You'll see when I talk today.
1: Yeah. But um, you're just just, wearing flip-flops on stage. Yeah. Super serious. Yeah
0: yeah I pretty much <laughs> pretty much yeah pretty much people look at me that they think that I'm homeless, but it's it's cool, yeah um once you get to know me, then you know you see, that's just my yeah. personality
1: no, I love it so but got- yeah,
0: but YouTube hit me up on Facebook Instagram of course Abraham Gray official cool um that's pretty much how
1: awesome guys we'll go hit up abraham and uh guys we really appreciate you watching this episode you want to see more people like abraham let us know come to the next wealthcon wealthcon wealthcon.org and we'll see you on the next one peace entrepreneurs do it wrong we actually have some entrepreneurs that will jump straight from starting a business into engagement it's not that it doesn't work they get people that want the product now they have to go build the system to support the product they don't have the necessary things to tell them that they're about to crash systems allows us to do that